but this is something to really give thanks about this week. Uh, our extended family, Sergio and Trish, purchased a home. So, very happy for them. So we have been working through a number of psalms this fall, and coming out of Psalm 22 last week, what better psalm for celebrating Thanksgiving than the next one? So if you would, please turn to Psalm 23. A psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Blessed is the reading of the most famous psalm of all. Father, we thank you for your hand on that day by your spirit having David pen these words, which have been enlightening and a comfort to so, so many of your sheep. And so continue to do that for us this morning who are desperate, needy sheep to the glory of your holy name. Amen. So Psalm 23 is not a reason to give thanks for all people. But it's the best reason to give thanks for those who are the sheep of the great shepherd. And anybody who hears the message of this gospel, of this shepherd, and believes can become his sheep. It's a reason to give thanks for those who could say with David, the Lord is my shepherd. So let's crack open Psalm 23 and contemplate the fuel for the fire of heartfelt thanksgiving this week. So first, let's meet the shepherd. 
in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Okay, let's slow down and notice the intimacy of this verse. Don't let it fly by you because of the familiarity of these words. We all know the English very well. And some of you young people don't know this. This is the psalm that's quoted at almost every funeral. We all know the English. The Lord is my shepherd. But you should feel it as Yahweh is my shepherd. Remember in Exodus chapter 3, God, that's his title, revealed to Moses his name, saying, My name is Yahweh, which is shorthand for I am who I am. I'm always right here, ever present. Now and forever, Yahweh, the one who is always present with his people to be whatever they need him to be. So, obviously, we're, we're not reading from the original language, and, which is Hebrew here in the Old Testament and in this psalm, but we're reading English translations and the translation, the way in English we decided to do it, comes over with the word Lord. But Lord translates two distinct Hebrew words in the Old Testament. Adonai, one of them, which is a title like ruler or Lord, and it translates the personal name of God, Yahweh. And so that's why English translations nowadays are very helpful uh, in when you see in English, Lord, capital L, and then small case, O-R-D, you know that the word in Hebrew behind it is the title Lord or ruler over someone or, or over me. When you see all four letters capitalized, it tells you that's the personal name of God in Hebrew, Yahweh. So the English translation, the Lord is my shepherd. Okay, whether you agree or not, I just want to, I want to push it and I want us to try to feel it. I hope you kind of do. Lord can lose a little bit of the intimacy of what David is really saying, because it's a title. But Yahweh is his personal name. Sonia's title is wife. And I love that title. My wife will be here in a minute. 
It's a great title, particularly when I get to put the pronoun my in front of it. But her name is Sonia. Wife, you are precious to me. Sonia, you are precious to me. Which one is more intimate? Yahweh is intimate. The one true God, the Hebrew Elohim, yes, that's who he is. God created the universe. He created you, he created me. Yes, but much more, as David will say, you are Yahweh. The God of the covenant which you made with me. So David begins with Yahweh. Not Baal. Not the sun god of Egypt or the Mesopotamian gods or the Assyrian gods. Yahweh is my shepherd. The one true God. And then David begins to describe why his shepherding is so important to him. Yahweh is my shepherd. I shall not want. I will not lack anything. So in verse 1, there are two statements. And I think the logical connection between them is clear. The Lord, Yahweh, is my shepherd. Therefore, I shall not want. Now, before we move on with that in a second, we've got to pause and we have to jump forward so that we don't miss the obvious and stunning connection with this psalm that Jesus himself made to his sheep. He knows the Bible inside and out. He knows Psalm 23 as he stands before our brothers, his disciples, and he said to them in John 10, I am the good shepherd. I know my own. And my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And guys, they're not here right here yet. They're down through the centuries, but I, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. There's a young man 1,950 years from now who I'm going to bring into my fold at age 19. 
I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. God, Yahweh, has become man in order to gather his sheep. And as we saw last week, every tongue will confess that Jesus, born of Mary from Nazareth, is Yahweh to the glory of God the Father. Yahweh is my shepherd, David says. I, therefore, shall not want. Think about it. That verse is the exact same logic as the New Testament. It's the same logic that Paul lays out in Romans 8, verse 30. If God is for us, who could be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Yahweh sent and gave up His eternal Son to be human and to suffer as a substitute on the cross for the penalty of our sins. Whose sins? The sins of all the sheep. As Jesus said, I lay down my life for the sheep. And at the Last Supper, Mark 14 tells us, and don't you wish you were there for that moment, and when they had sung him. Jesus too would love to hear that voice. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives, and Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, because it is written in Zechariah the prophet, I will strike the shepherd. And the sheep will be scattered. But after I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. So as Christians, we say, the Lord Jesus, Yahweh, is my shepherd. Therefore, I shall not lack anything because he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how shall he not also by him, through him, because of him, freely give us all things? That's the shepherd. So let's let the Lord, the great shepherd of the sheep now, Take us on a journey through the rest of Psalm 23. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He takes care of us. 
We eat, we drink water. As Kathy read today, Jesus said, concerning all that basic stuff of life, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All that stuff, I got it taken care of for you. My father takes care of the birds of the air. Are you not much more important than they? But here in the psalm, the emphasis right here is not on really the eating and, and the drinking. The emphasis is on having eaten and having had your thirst quenched. Now you are relaxing by the still waters. You are being renewed. Your soul is being revived. Can't all of us Christians know that we've had thousands upon thousands upon thousands of those moments, of those hours, of those days? He makes me lie beside still, quiet waters. And then in verse 3, He leads me as a sheep. He's the shepherd. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So as the shepherd leads the sheep down the paths that are right for them, David applies the metaphor of the shepherd leading the sheep through paths where they need to go to the next place to eat or to rest or to safety. He takes those paths and applies it morally calling them paths of righteousness, living right in the sight and presence of God. As Jesus himself would then later say, my sheep, they hear my voice and they follow me down the path. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And because we have come into Jesus' sheepfold, as the Apostle John says very clearly, if that's happened by His miracle of His Spirit dwelling in you, now His commandments are not burdensome. But they're life-giving. They're restoring the soul. And He leads us in this moral pursuit of righteousness, look at it, for his name's sake. As a shepherd, his reputation is upheld as he provides for the sheep and leads them to safety and sustenance. So his reputation is at stake. The integrity of his name is lifted up as he leads his sheep to practice what is right. David, through the psalm, is beckoning God's people to follow the Lord. Sheep, follow him in the, the mundane of everyday life. Be restored day by day. Hear the shepherd's voice, follow the path that he leads us down.
And as we follow, we then say with David, verse 4, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death or deep darkness, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. Now, the valley of the shadow of death refers to the, the deep, dry bed ravines of Israel. They're difficult and dangerous to descend and very hard to climb back out of. But more than that, it's a very dangerous place with wild animals who love to eat sheep. So this here now is not the green pastures. This is the sheep's worst nightmare. So the valley, it's a metaphor for the life-threatening, fear-producing situations that the Lord's flock will go through. So you say, well, wait a minute. He just said, the Lord's my shepherd who leads us. He leads us down paths of righteousness. So how do we end up in valleys of fear, danger from wild beasts? The path of following Jesus, it does lead to grassy meadows of relaxation and to the valley of danger. Of the shadow of death or it's, whether it's death or darkness is really hard to say how should you translate it in the Hebrew. But as the shepherd who leads down the path of righteousness said in his Sermon on the Mount, remember his words, Blessed are those who go down the path of righteousness with me. Well, this is how he put it, though. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The wild animals of persecution loom in the valley. But the sheep have no fear of ultimate destruction. Why? It's right there in the text. Because you, Yahweh, are with me. Now, did you notice David changed from the third person to the second person? In, in verses 1 to 3, third person. Now, bam, second person. Verses 1 to 3, Yahweh, the Lord, He does this, He does that. To the second person, 
you are with me. That's personal. He spoke to us in verses 1 to 3. Now he's modeling for us, speaking to the shepherd intimately, particularly in the darkest of times, in the valley of the shadow of death. It's as if trouble in the valley is what drives him closer to the shepherd and brings a deeper intimacy. And isn't that the testimony of us Christians down through the centuries, of going through the shadow of death? Paul laid out a shadow of death in his life in 2 Corinthians 1. He described it like this. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. Then he said, his shepherd was there. He says his shepherd was there the whole time. But that experience had a purpose. It was in order to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He, he delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will in the future deliver us. On Him we have set our hope, and He will deliver us. Again, the presence of the Lord is the sheep's confidence. Now, watch the text. It is because of what David says next. It's because of the shepherd's protection. Your rod and your staff Oh, shepherd, comfort me. The rod is a club to smash in the heads of David's enemies. He guides his sheep with a staff, and he uses the club to beat the snot out of the wild animals. And that's the picture. Shepherds may have gotten a bad name. Maybe. Because a lot of times, well, you want your pastoral? Or shepherding means like kind of just really soft. I mean, there is that part of a shepherd. And I love the pictures of the shepherd taking a sheep because Jesus talked that way. There's one that's straight. But they were rough and tough dudes. Back in the 1800s, C.H. Spurgeon, in his book,
book, going through the Psalms, he quoted a contemporary who did some study on shepherds by hanging out and living with them over in Israel in the 1800s. And he quotes him. And here it is. The shepherds themselves had none of that peaceful and placid aspect which is generally associated with pastoral life and habits. They looked like warriors marching to the battlefield, a long gun slung from the shoulder, a dagger and heavy pistols in the belt, a light battle axe or iron head club in the hand. Such were the equipments. And their fierce, flashing eyes and scowling countenances showed but too plainly that they were prepared to use their weapons at any moment. End quote. Our chief shepherd, he's not merely soft-spoken. He's never a weakling. He's a shepherd. He's a pastor. He's a warrior who said, remember, no one is able to snatch my sheep out of my hand. Shepherds fight for the sheep. And sometimes in doing so, they confront wolves in sheep's clothing. And they call them people filled with dead men's bones and false teachers, hypocrites. And sometimes pastoral means turning over the tables of the money changers in God's temple. So the point is, the shepherd does not carry a rod for nothing. And David says, that's my comfort. Your rod and your guiding staff, they comfort me. And then... The powerful shepherd brings us to the picture of verse 5. You, O shepherd, O Yahweh, prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. The setting is a sheep in a meadow with wolves and mountain lions, and bears, and foxes all around. So this is not David in, in this aspect of, here I am a soldier in a war, eating my lunch or my dinner, but on my feet with my gun strapped around my shoulder, looking out all the time. Here is a banqueting table of relaxation, leisurely feasting. You... Like, think about Thanksgiving this Thursday. We will be preparing tables in ways we don't even do. He's preparing a table. A feast. That, that's why he says, you anoint my head with oil. It's festive. And he's, there's plenty to eat and food. My cup. It just overflows. So, there are enemies. But the Lord says to David here, Sit. Feast. I think David had many of those experiences as he would slowly strum his guitar and new words and a new song would be created while he's hiding in caves. 
for years. Paul had feasts with enemies all around him. He's the one that kept telling us, in all things and for all things. Give thanks. Here's how Paul describes some of his enemies at times through his journey in life while feasting with the Lord. Imprisonments with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false Christians. But the shepherd would say to Paul, sit and eat my grace with all the enemies around is sufficient for you. And the point is clear. If the Lord, as David says, can spread out a banqueting table in the presence of, of our enemies, then there is no circumstance where He will not be able to provide all things that his sheep need. And that is how the Apostle Paul fleshed out Psalm 23 in Romans 8. If God is for us, who could be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him, by Him, and through Him graciously give us all things? Here's how, let, watch Him flesh it out. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Mountain lion? Fox? Getting a foot caught in a bush. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or a sword? No. But in and through all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Nothing shall separate us from the love of the shepherd. Now, that's enough for giving thanks, isn't it, this Thursday? But He even gives greater reason to give thanks all the more in the last Verse of Psalm 23. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And 
I shall dwell in the house of Yahweh forever. The reason the gospel is good news is that it guarantees surely, surely, absolutely goodness, tov, mercy, chesed, covenant loving kindness to me. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Now actually, follow me is too weak of a translation for what the Hebrew actually means. This word is normally translated into English in, in the Old Testament as pursue. When, when the army is pursuing, this is the word. When they're being pursued, tracked down, they're after me. This is the word. And David says that God's goodness and his chesed, his faithfulness. Here's the way my professor Dan Fuller used to love to say it, to drive home the point of what it means. It's, it's like the California Highway Patrol tracking you down I-5 while you're going 105 miles an hour with their sirens blaring to pull you over give you goodness, give you mercy. That's what he says. There are two special, God-ordained agents after me and after all Christians. And their names are goodness. He's out to do you good their names are covenant love, mercy. Now, David is not naive when he says that. He just wrote about the valley of the shadow of death. And a banquet table while being surrounded by enemies. So he's not in denial about the bad experiences of this life. He's walking in faith. He's walking in trust in God's covenant promises and God's care for him in the long haul. The real long haul. That's the last line. David's perspective is, but it is not just through all the days of this life. His perspective is not just through the life of Romans chapter 8 experiences. Where goodness and mercy, even in those experiences, will be sustaining us all the way through. But, it's this. And I shall dwell or enter in to the house of Yahweh forever.
beyond all the earthly days of my life. He says, I shall then dwell in the home of Yahweh unendingly. In other words, David, he would agree with the Apostle Paul from 2 Timothy 4, verses 6 to 8. As Paul writes this, knowing he's only got a matter of probably weeks to live before he's executed, while he's in a hole down there in a dungeon that people can throw food to him and talk and he can write a letter and get, get it out while he's in Rome. He writes these words to his beloved son in Jesus, Timothy. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering in the time of my death Departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, he just said that this way. Henceforth, Timothy, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved Yahweh's appearing in the flesh. That's worthy of thanksgiving. Because through all the experiences of this life in the valley, right, a peaceful banqueting dinner, the Lord Jesus is my shepherd. And He will see me all the way unto I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so this week, let us give true, heartfelt thanksgiving to our shepherd who leads us and who pursues us with goodness and mercy all the days of our lives. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, let us count the ways particularly in this holiday week, let us count the ways as American Christians in which you track us down, in which you pursue us. You pursue us frail, weak, sinful sheep with mercy in myriad ways, with good things in untold and often ignored ways. Let us... Take account this week. And so therefore, I beg on behalf of myself and our, our, us here, work that in us by your Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us stand and worship our great shepherd.